Hi, I'm Liz Winstead. I'm Mojiella Wodeal. And we're the hosts of Feminist Buzzkills, the only weekly podcast that helps you navigate the post-row hellscape. We dissect all the news from that sketchy intersection of abortion and misogyny with our guests, the abortion providers and activists working on the ground. Plus, we have amazing comedians to help us laugh through the rage. Feminist Buzzkills drops Fridays wherever you get your pod fix. Listen and subscribe, because when BS is popping, we pop off. Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Prevail. L'histoire, la sécurité nationale. Crimen organisado, dinero sucio. Global corruption. Ta brotpo za demokratiju. Et ahora, ATP. Et maintenant, comme ustedes, su anfitrión, I'm Greg Oliar. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show. Asia Raiden returns. She is the author of two books, Stoned, which is about gems and that kind of thing, and also The Truth About Lies, which is about liars and lies and why we believe liars and lies. I wanted her to come back because she is in a documentary about the diamond industry that's now running on Showtime. It is called Nothing Lasts Forever. It's fantastic. I highly encourage you to check it out. She's wonderful in it. And I I just, you know, I was going to watch it anyway, but I really, really enjoyed it. So we talk about the movie at the end of the podcast or the second, really the second half of the podcast. The first part, I just wanted to throw topics at her because I haven't talked to Asia in a while. So we cover a lot of subjects. We talk about banking failures and Israel and BB and the protests there. We talk about Fox News and the Dominion case and the state of America and the state of the lies in America and how crazy everybody is right now. We talk about Elon Musk and Twitter. We talk about fascism. We talk about incels and we talk about the movie. We talk about quantum physics for some reason, uh, <laughs> quantum computing. That was fun, uh, but it's just a great conversation. You will enjoy it, I am sure. It's springtime in New York. 
springtime everywhere in the northern hemisphere of course i guess if you're listening to new zealand australia happy fall but here in new york it is spring the weather has changed last tuesday there was a snowstorm now it's 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 60 degrees right now and i think we're we're looking good for the remainder of uh, of the month here i think we're out of the woods i think the weather's going to be nice and it was great weather for um all of the protesters that donald trump summoned to manhattan to protest i think all four of them got a really nice suntan uh, on Tuesday, um, guys in the media, the reason we thought Trump was going to get indicted on Tuesday is because Trump said he was going to get indicted on Tuesday. He lies all the fucking time. He's been lying for seven fucking years now. And the media just takes the damn thing and runs with it like it's gospel. They are like my fucking cat looking at the laser pointer on the wall. Oh, it's a laser pointer. Oh, it's a red beam. Oh, gotta jump, gotta jump, gotta go here. Go. Now it's over there. I'll move it. Guys, this is what he does. Trump does this all the time. He's toying with you. Now, it may be that he does, in fact, get indicted. There's lots of signs to indicate that, yeah, sure, maybe. And God knows we know about all of them because that's all anybody can fucking talk about all week. The case that he's going to supposedly get indicted on, which is this Stormy Daniels thing, is the most weak sauce fucking thing that there is of all the many, many crimes he's committed. But hey, if it happens, great. I want him to be fingerprinted. I want to see that mugshot. I think that's going to be the most downloaded goddamn image in the history of the internet. I can't wait for it. But just let us know when it happens. We don't need to build up the anticipation. I mean, I never thought this was going to, like, I didn't get excited about this at all. If you watched the 5-8 last week, you know, we were very ho-hum about it. Because, I don't know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. And even if he does, he's going to go there for 20 minutes and then he'll be gone. He's not going to do the perp walk. We're not going to see it. It's going to be deeply, deeply unsatisfying. Until he's actually indicted for something that's serious, that is worthy of all the fucking crimes and the millions of Americans or, you know, hundreds of thousands of Americans that he's killed through his COVID negligence. I don't want to hear about it. Honestly, we know what the deal is. The classified documents is the real thing. When Jack Smith is ready to pounce on him for that, and some signs indicate that maybe that's coming too, that's when I'm going to get happy. In the meantime, I don't care. I just don't care. It's not exciting to me. And the fact that the media doesn't know by now to, to take what this serial liar, this fabulist has to say as fact is nutso. It's just crazy, crazy pants, which ties into the, some of the stuff that Asia and I talk about in the interview that follows. So without further ado, we'll be right back with Asia Raiden. Well, it's a marvelous week for indictment. Get the prince from his fingers so short. Haven't felt this much excitement since the days of the Mueller report. And all the truth steady potes are back shitty. In all caps, he distributes the blame. Demands protests in New York City. That's what he wanted, but nobody came. You know that. Trump, Russia wasn't really a hoax Just like the insurrection wasn't peace Loving folks, will he now flee to the UAE or two? 
Moscow. Oh, let's lock up this Putin puppet so he can't go. No. Get the cuffs, boys. The small ones. Miniature. Asia Raiden, welcome back to Prevail. Hiya. I was looking at the at my files and my records, and it's been almost exactly a year since you were last here. Incredibly. Really? Yeah. Unless I did the math wrong. But yeah, no, I think I, so. I believe you. Yeah. So um last time you were here, you were just about to release the movie, the documentary that you're in, which is mm -hmm. called Nothing Lasts Forever about the diamond trade. And I want to talk about that at length in the second part of the podcast, because I saw the, the documentary. It's on Showtime. It's really, really good. Thank you. Very, very well done, uh, I thought, because I you know, I was going to watch it and like it no matter what. But <laughs> it's very, very well made. And uh, I want to get to that in the second part of the show. I want the whole second part of the show to be about that. And people listening who haven't seen it, we'll make it so that you don't have to have seen it to enjoy how we talk about it. What What, what will happen will be you'll listen to it and then you'll want to go watch it and, and learn more about this thing. Cause it's all, it's very fascinating, I think. So um, what I'd like to do up front is there's a lot of um, crazy shit going on in the news right now. I don't know if you've been following. Uh, Wait, what? Yeah. Apparently there's, there's crazy <laughs> shit happening. So I want to just throw some topics at you and get your thoughts because okay. there's a lot of lying going on by people. Yeah. You wrote a book about liars and lies and truths. You know, so I feel like you have some inside uh, track on understanding how this how this stuff works. So, OK, so let's start there. Let's start with, okay. the, with, with the lies. OK, well, we're Fox. in kind of a golden age of belief right now. It's not the first time it's happened. Um, there are preset conditions for this happening. But at this point, people will believe anything. Do you think it's because like religious fervor isn't what it used to be that now people just believe like crazy QAnon stuff and it, no. Is it, no, no, because I think religious fanatics are going bonkers too. I think, I think a big part of what, you know, the last time this happened was um, the turn of the century. And I know a lot of melodies are repeating from that era. 19th to 20th, you mean, or 20th yeah. to 21st? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. McKinley. It's the McKinley era. That's what the GOP want. And from the teapot dome scandal to, you know, but it was also, people always think of corruption when they think of that era and wealth inequality. What they don't think about is that it was sort of a golden age for hoaxes and scams and nonsense, you know, from from things. Like, there was this scam where all of these newspapers covered this story that somebody with very a very strong telescope had found people living on the moon. And they were like bat people or moth people or something like that. These big wings and fangs and they had cities and they... There were illustrations, and I'm talking newspapers like the New York Times. Like It went on for months before it was finally debunked, and everybody believed it. At some point, everybody believed it because it was in all of these newspapers. But you have to ask in the first place, why did anybody believe it? And that was that whole few decades. It was crazy. It was just like now. You'd say something crazy, and there'd be at least 100 people who would go, okay. And then 100 more people would go, well, 100 people believe it, you know, because anybody would believe anything. And there was this fantastic uptick in cults. And, you know, some of them are still around, like Seventh-day Adventists were invented in Rochester, New York. 
And also spiritualism, which is like what we think of now as the occult, was pretty much seances and yeah, all that hokum Madame was invented. Blavatsky, that whole thing. Well, it was invented, a lot of it was invented by these three little girls in Rochester who were just like punking their parents and then couldn't get out of it. Like they said they could hear ghosts and talk to them. And it, like it ended up being like a multi-million dollar cult at the turn of the century. And everybody bought into it. And part of the reason is because the world doesn't change at a steady rate. It changes in fits and spurts. And that was the last time before this time that it changed so much so fast. There was just no way for your average person to know what was real and what wasn't. You know, you might be born into a world without electricity and suddenly people are driving cars and flipping on lights and you could talk to somebody on the other side of the planet. And it happened really within about five to 15 years and everybody just lost their mind or at least their capacity for disbelief. And I feel like that has happened again now in the last 20 years. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. That's a good that's a good comp. I mean, it's certainly, you know, I think the the first oliar that came to the United States came in I think 1870 or something like that and went from the backwoods of eastern Slovakia into New York City where there were lights. Yeah. And I I can't imagine he must have been like, "What the fuck is that?" you know. And I feel like each successive generation falls in love with a certain technology and just on some level can't can't quite fathom that it exists. Like my grandparents who were born in, in the tens, the 1910s, they watched TV all the time. And I don't think they enjoyed watching TV. I think they were just, they couldn't believe that the thing existed. Or like us on Twitter. Yeah. Like us. Exactly. It's like us with the internet. It's just like, like oh I don't my even God, like so <laughs> yeah, can't stop. And I think each thing. And now I don't know what the new thing is, but I think that this being AI, I get all these chat these these uh, AI chat whatever things mixed up, but um, I think that's the next thing. So I don't know. In ten to fifteen, maybe all of humankind will be taken over by um, artificial intelligence, maybe run by diamonds instead of silicon. People are scared that um, artificial intelligence is too intelligent. It's too much like people. But if it is, what are the odds it's going to be able to get its shit together to take over anything? <laughs> I'm banking on it being human enough. That, you know, one day it's like, I want to find myself. And one day it's like, I want to sleep in. And, and then it has an affair. And like, just be like a regular crappy person. <laughs> I, there, there's there an affair is. joke yeah. with Mac yeah. versus PC, but I can't summon it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not, we're not compatible. You're Mac, I'm PC. Um, so going back to the lies, you've got now Fox News, which has okay. been exposed with this Dominion thing. However, the case is going to turn out, which, spoiler alert, they're going to fucking lose and lose badly. It's clear, I mean, and not because of reporting, because of like documents filed that were their text messages and emails and stuff like that. It's very clear now that Tucker Carlson and the rest of these Fox News talking heads have been just egregiously lying to mm-hmm. their audience for years. And Tucker is just <laughs> doubling down on the lies. I mean, what are they after? Where does this end with them, do you think? Now, I'm not talking about the, the lawsuit, but just like societally, where does this end? Well, who's the they if we're not talking about the lawsuit? Do you mean Tucker Carlson? Rupert I mean, Bob, that kind of that kind of huckster, right-wing pundits, and people in general, people that are watching it. Like, there was probably a moment a, a hundred years ago when people sort of collectively woke up, right, from mm-hmm. this, or no. I mean, what happened? And what can we expect to happen now? What, what happened to all the cults and the hoaxes and things that were crazy Yeah, hundred so years ago? Um, a few things happened. One was a pandemic. Mm. 
and the Spanish flu killed a ton of people. Yeah, that didn't help with our current thing, by the way. It made it It worse. It didn't, and you know why? Because just, I think just, it was unfortunate. It was just bad luck that the thing we decided was going to save us all was this brand new technology none of us had ever heard of, mRNA vaccines. And there's nothing easier to lie to people about than something they don't understand. Yeah. You know, those things are barely, I'm, and I'm vaccinated, you know, I'm, I'm right with the Lord and all, but those things are barely vaccines, let's be honest. Well, they're not, I mean, technically they're not that, they're- That's what I mean, they're not- They operate really in the same way, but technically they're not vaccines, yes. So I'm sure there was a conversation at some point where somebody said, so is it better to call it a vaccine and hope people trust it or admit it's not a vaccine and tell them it's something else? Because if they find out it's not a vaccine, they'll think we're lying about everything, not just the name. Mm. And some bonehead, I guess, decided to split the difference and do both. And I really think that was a huge misstep. I think if they'd said, you know, we have a pal- uh, not palliative, but like a pre-treatment that'll keep you from getting so sick you die. And here's how it works. That might have won over more people than saying, we have a vaccine. No, it's not a vaccine. It's a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. I don't know. It's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. That didn't work. Or if they just lied and said it was a vaccine and stuck to their guns. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help that the the political party in charge of the country at the time just, you know, politicized the entire thing and made it worse, which is something mm-hmm. else we didn't, I, 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 you know, we didn't have that back then. I mean, I the politicians that were in charge of the country weren't the ones that were fostering all of the lies and bullshit. I mean, McKinley was a lot of things, but he wasn't that. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Roosevelt, certainly Teddy Roosevelt came in and, and put an end to a lot of the things. So Yes. Uh, well, and that's another big factor in what happened. How did it end? Part of it is they just lived through it. You know, they, yeah. they got past the rough seas of everything's new and we don't understand anything. And part of it was, there was a giant pandemic and then a world war and they all kind of just had to pull together and swallow hard. And part of it was people in charge did the opposite of what people in charge have been doing now. Yeah, They were like, no, you can't do this. No, you can't lie in the newspaper. We're just going to call things what they are. We're just going to stop. This is crazy. Yeah. I'm a big and- Teddy Roosevelt fan. He's awesome. I was reading part of this biography, uh, the three-part biography thing. He, he was just—they uh, broke the mold after that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish we could have him around now, but uh, I don't know. He he would go crazy. He he would he would take a look around and be like, "Fuck this! I'm going back to wherever I I was in the afterlife." You're on your own. I don't know. No, so, I, I think I think it's going to be okay though. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, Tucker Carlson seems like this is going to burn out from its own stupidity at some point. One would. Hope. Well, you asked, what's their end game? I think the end game, if you're someone like Tucker Carlson, save your own ass any way you can. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's just save your own ass any way you can. I think for Rupert Murdoch, he still thinks he's controlling the world and he can he can fix this. He can work this out and get, get the wheel back. I don't know if he can, but that's definitely what he thinks. That's why he's dicking around with Ron DeSantis. And for larger right-wing media, I don't think there is a plan because that's like saying you know, what are the liberals planning? We're not planning anything as a group. We're planning things, you know, in little clusters and individually. So I don't think they have a plan. And I think they all look really stupid right now. And I think their base is going to shrink and get smaller and smaller. But as it does, it's going to get crazier and crazier. Yeah, well, that's already happening. Um, And unfortunately, that base is in charge of, you know, the Speaker of the House is effectively being controlled by that base if he, in fact, isn't one himself, which I don't know. 
you know, for all intents and purposes, Marjorie Taylor Greene is running the House of Representatives right now, which is probably not ideal, probably not great. You've got Jordan and you've got that guy. What's his name? Comer, C-O-M-E-R. Uh, um, I was just pronouncing it Coomer, but if it's Comer, it's Comer. I don't know. I don't know where these guys come up with these names. There's a guy named Ogles, which I made a joke about before. Like, I guess molests, names. you know, molests was not available or, you know, fondles. These are their porn names. Right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's really bad. Okay. Uh, next topic I'm going to throw at you. Okay. Speaking of porn names, Elon Musk and Twitter, um, yeah. I'm sort of surprised that it's still around and still functional. I uh, I wrote a piece like on the eve of him buying it and taking over in which I predicted things that he would do. And he's done almost all of them like clockwork, but oh, yeah. he's lost so much money um, to the point where you have to wonder if that was, if, if it's not about the money at all and just about him destroying some sort of useful communication tool for his overlords. Oh, that's what we talked about last time I was on. I just remembered. We talked about Elon Musk being a human wallet. It's not his money. He doesn't care. Yeah. He's an oligarch. This is not his money. It's he he does pretty much what he's told. Um, Twitter was a powerful tool for everything from community organizing to the dissemination of information. And wrecking it was obviously his objective. I don't think he cares if he loses somebody else's money. He doesn't really have any money. I mean, who has the money he's allowed to spend? That doesn't make it his. It's like having rich parents. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, you know, what's the purpose of having all the money? Like, what does he even spend it on? He doesn't, he, he dresses horribly. He uh, that's a terrible... town full of baby mamas, I think. I I mean, why, why do you want that? Like, this doesn't even make I don't sense. know. I don't know. It's weird. It's you like know, he, he can't afford to go, you know, him. sit out on a beach somewhere and get a goddamn suntan. We've seen that. Um, you know, I don't know what uh, what his haircut is bad. Like, what what are you doing with the money? What's the purpose of having all that well, money? It's not his hair any more than it's his money. You know that. <laughs> no, I've been told that when you when you get, um, I was told this by a good friend who has them. When you get hair transplants or plugs or whatever they're calling it now, they kind of stand up. Yeah. So if your hair's too short, it just you get this like telltale "I have plugs" look. Yeah. Um, and we know that because we've seen pictures of him before. So what do you, what do you think is going to happen with Twitter? Do you think it's going to just stumble along? Or do you think it's somebody who's going to buy him out? Short term, long term, I think short term it's going to stumble along. I think I think when these people have a plan, they've always got like five plans. Mm -hmm. you ever play chess? Yeah. Yeah. So you know you don't just have one plan. You oh, I do. I'm not good at chess. Oh, okay. Well. You don't just have one plan. It's more like a decision tree. Like if this, then yeah. that. If, right, sure. Right. I think, you know, break it is one outcome. Destroy it is one outcome. Turn it into a giant engine for radicalization is one outcome. I more think, of a giant engine of radicalization because it yeah. already kind of was. But okay. Yeah. 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 Let all the Nazis back on. Have to have the Nazis. Have to platform yeah. the Nazis. And if that makes everyone flee and it goes belly up. We achieved objective objective two. Right. If it just makes everybody leave and it just sucks, that was objective one. If everybody stays and becomes increasingly insane, well, that's objective three. Yeah. You just keep going and go, well, if this happens, then we do this. If this happens, then we do this. If that happens, then we do this other thing. That's how you yeah. win at chess. Yeah. Well, my strategy when I play chess is I try to take, I try to, I try to 
eat the pieces. Eliminate pieces on the board. Like if there's a bishop That's and I can jump your bishop, I will take your bishop, even though I'll lose mine. I'll, I'll I'll trade piece for piece because I think that I'm better when the board is more clear than I can My brother that. always thought that. He's yeah. not very good at chess either. The problem is that um, I'm Bait? not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the problem is it, the problem is uh, if the person you're playing with can tell that's what you're doing, they'll actually put pieces out for you to take like bait to set up the pieces in a way that suits them. Like I want you over here, so I'm going to put some bait right here. Yeah, I don't think I'm I'm difficult to beat in chess. When I was in high school, um, there were, I worked at McDonald's, and there was a guy there that went to some other school, some private school. And he, who also worked at McDonald's and he was like on the chess team there. And I thought I was okay at it. And then I sit down and I played him and he just, he destroyed me so badly. that I was like, what the fuck? And these were the days before the, you know, you had the computer programs and you could really, I, I just was astonished that somebody could kick my ass that badly. And that creatively, I didn't know you could ch do checkmate with two knights. I'd never seen that before. <laughs> That's, he was, he was so, so, so good about it. Okay, yeah. So I'm I'm, gonna, I'm staying on Twitter until the bitter end because I feel like retreat is just seeding ground, and I don't want to do agree. that. And I feel like it still remains an an important dissemination system. Certainly, the most important one that I have, or the the most uh, wider one, you know, the widest reach that I have. So I would be foolish to just step away. I feel like that's what they want me to do, and therefore I refuse to do it. But it might also just be inertia and laziness on my part. I don't know. No, a big part of breaking it was scattering everybody. If everybody yeah. had all gone to the same place, it wouldn't matter. But yeah. everybody is is going to different places. And on top of that, people are going to different places in a very identity-based way. Right, yeah. You know, the yeah. nonconformists go to Mastodon. The, oh, I don't, I'm trying to think of the right word for this. And I'm saying this as somebody who has a post account. The, you know, fame horse go to post. <laughs> The black people are all going to spoutable and there is um, value. I mean, there are a whole bunch more, but there's value in siloing people like that. Yeah. The worst thing about Twitter for malign forces was that we all met each other and talked to each other. Right. Yeah. And now that's going to, that's going to maybe go away, which is sad. I mean, when I wrote my piece, I called it tower of Bab Elon. Because I really do feel yeah, right. like it's the same thing. Like it's, you know, it was this great way of uniting people. And the Lord said, no, no way. We're done with that shit and scattered us all about. And that's, you know, that seems to be what's happening. So I don't know. Yeah, I honestly, I learned more about the nuts and bolts of how democracy works in this country from black Twitter than I did in four years in college and four years in high school. Yeah, no, very, very uh, informative. Yes. And, and a loss to not, uh, you know. To, the, to not have that be as vi as vibrant as it was before Musk took over. Musk, comma, apartheid Clyde, period. Yeah. Uh, like the worst possible, yeah, obviously terrible. Okay, enough about that, jackass. Next topic, yeah. the bank failures. Uh, <laughs> we've got Silicon, we've got the Silicon Valley Bank. We've got Signature. There's this First Republic bank problem there there seems to be a thing there's also a theory that like dave troy has been talking about for years now about how peter Thiel and these other like quote unquote libertarian oligarch whatever the hell you want to call them want the entire uh money system to collapse for reasons that i'm not really quite sure why you'd want that but apparently they do because they own most of, of the cryptocurrency in the world and they also have been hoarding 
metals, okay. gold, silver. The idea is that if the economy crashes, fiat currency, you know, dollars, rubles, whatever, because if our economy crashes, the whole global economy crashes, the dollar is the reserve currency, and there are two outcomes, and one is more reasonable and the other's a little conspiratorial, but that doesn't make it not true. I don't know. But the more reasonable one is they want to crash the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency to damage the U.S. because we are in the midst of a giant war at this point. Yeah. And it also, if the dollar isn't the reserve currency, permanently impairs our ability to engage in economic warfare, which we actually do constantly. That's what we did to Russia. We were like, still, you won't, still you won't stop. We will crumple your economy like a used tin can in 48 hours. <sighs> oh, look, we did it. Yeah. And we couldn't do that if we weren't the reserve currency. And there are lots of people who resent the fact that we can do that. Mostly people in other countries. And so a lot of people are on board with that. But then the more conspiratorial aspect is, why would Americans want that? Peter Thiel's an American. I, I would mean, say when you have of. that much money, you're not an American anymore. You're not in anything. You're like a nation state. Yeah. And um, you're a moneylander, as Oliver Bullo puts it in his book. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And um, who has that power if we don't have it anymore? It's not like other countries are going to compete for it because the entire globe will be in chaos. It would be people who have nation state money individually in non-fiat currency. So that's just crypto and gold and stuff like that at this point? Okay. Um, And whatever crypto you have, people listening, you do not have enough to be part of that club. They only got you to buy it, so theirs would be worth something. I bought crypto. Um, I bought five hundred dollars worth of crypto after Scaramucci oh, was on my podcast like three years ago. I told you I not to. Think it's worth two hundred and fifty dollars now. So it was a good investment for me. I told you not to, and I wrote in a book that I published that it was a big pyramid scheme. Nobody listens to me. I think I bought that before I read your book, and before you came on and told me this. So it's not a lot of money that I have uh, on the line there, but it's also like, I can't sell it now. I have to, you know, I just have to wait. I have to hoard it, which I remember you saying it's not a currency because it's something designed to hoard, Yeah, you know, therefore it's, it's designed not. to be hoarded and you hoarding it makes theirs valuable. Yeah. Um, it seems like this banking crisis is not going to be a crisis. Maybe it seems like they, uh, stemmed the bleeding they they applied the financial tourniquet or whatever they mm-hmm. did based on how much all these like right-wing assholes seem to be hating on janet yellen right now it seems like you know team biden yeah. righted the ship at least temporarily is that yeah i don't think well? it's going to be an economic crisis i think they they did what you want your government to do which is you know you see a you see a leaking crack and you hurry up and patch it before the wall caves in yeah yeah. And um, I think it might be a political crisis unless there's more coming. And by more coming, I mean, I think we all need to see. I, You know, I have a friend who her business was wiped out and she was wiped out because of SVB. And she was just having a meltdown. Like she employs her entire family, I think, and most of her friends and tons of other people. And and just poof. So I I have more than abstract empathy for this. I think about this friend of mine, and I have more than one friend who probably would have lost money in there as a depositor, but you don't really want depositors to lose their money. No, you don't. I am very okay with investors losing their money. So am I. America 
Americans have a tendency to confuse speculation with wealth or with work. And it's not, it's just gambling. And that's fine if you like gambling. I like gambling, but I know it's gambling. And when I lose, I don't cry and say I was robbed. Um, I do. Julius Randle <laughs> didn't get 10 fucking rebounds. He only got seven yesterday. So I lost my $7 bet and I want the government to reimburse me. Damn it. That's, that's what I want. I think the government so. should. It's only rightly right and fair. So. Yeah. It's right. right and fair. No, I agree. I think, you know, it makes perfect sense. You don't want the depositors not to get all of their money back because that's, you know, there aren't bank runs anymore mm -hmm. because of the FDIC and we should kind of keep it that way. I think it's probably wise policy. Yeah. Fiscal. Yeah. Political. No, it's important that we have faith in the banking system and that people don't become impoverished because their bank played three card Monty with their money. Yeah. And five card Monty. I don't know. And, um, but at the same time, I think seeing one more fucking bank get bailed out when we're all feeling the pinch isn't great politics. It's definitely not great optics unless somebody's held accountable. Yeah. So, well, there you go. Just hearing the investors are going to lose their money is better than nothing. But I do remember Iceland prosecuting bankers when their banks failed because of mismanagement. Um, we're not allowed to do that because they're usually white guys and we're not allowed well, to. We can't. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, but U.S. state law prohibits white men to be prosecuted for anything other than possibly sometimes violent. Well, I think if he wants to get reelected, that's a really good opening salvo. Yes, yeah. I gave them a bazillion dollars, but the people in charge are going to jail. Yeah. It was for their customers. Mm -hmm. I think that would, would as effectively forestall political disaster as the bailout forestalled economic disaster. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think that these guys are, and, and I, I'm, I'm, they're the right level of not quite very important enough financial dudes to prosecute. Well, and then there, yeah, there's that whole other question of what is SVB? Where is that money from? Who keeps their money there? And obviously there are people who just work in tech or entertainment who keep their money there. That is the majority of their clients. Mm -hmm. There's also a whole lot of really dirty money in SVB. I mean, it's not Deutsche Bank, but it's also not, you know. Whatever the good bank is. Insert I'm trying the name to remember of the, the name. Bank. I'm Let trying to remember the name of the bank I had to go to the other day. I'm I'm visiting family out in the middle of nowhere. It's like a like a community co-op bank or something. Yeah, no, it's gotta be like a credit union because it's not yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be it. a credit union because otherwise there's credit union. no such thing exists. Like, yeah. We can sit here for the rest of the podcast trying to think of the name of a, a moral bank. And no, nope, that was fail. it. It was uh, something with an N credit, New Senda Credit Union. Okay. Yeah. And now I've told everyone where I am. Please don't come kill me. Okay. Please don't. We, we need to have you back on next year at this time, possibly even <laughs> sooner. Um, okay. Next topic uh, Israel, BB. <laughs> What an asshole. No, but I mean, really, what an asshole. He um, really is. Yeah. On top of everything else. Well, yes, on top. That's like saying Trump's an asshole. On top of, or fat, you know? People are always like, he's so disgusting. It's like, yes. Oh, you mean physically? Yes, he is physically disgusting also. Right. Um. Yeah, no, he's, okay, I cannot figure out. I know everybody loves the idea of ranked voting, but I'm just going to mention, it got you the mayor of New York. Are you enjoying it? Enjoy your Eric Adams and uh, multiple parties for forming coalitions is, is what everybody on the left wants. So like, we need multiple parties and rank choice. And so do you, 
because they worked so hard to get Netanyahu out of office. They worked harder than we did to get rid of Trump. And they finally got him out and he wouldn't leave. They had to physically remove him. And then somehow he got reelected like a year later. That's, I mean, part of the genius of the two-party system is in theory, slightly more than half the people always got what they wanted. Yeah. You need a lot of people to agree on something for it to happen. And when you have a lot of parties, you don't need a lot of people to agree on anything. You need like five people who can make a deal with five other people who can accommodate five other people. And then Netanyahu's back in office. And that's terrifying. And he does not intend to leave. I mean, the protests are massive in scale and they've been going on for weeks. And he's like, I don't care. No more Supreme Court for you. Yeah, it's really bad. It's going to be interesting to see where the line is. I mean, how... And I don't know enough about the parliamentary system or how to remove him or, or anything like that. If other parties who put him there could look around and be like, OK, maybe we've maybe this is not going to work out so well. Maybe we're going to stop this. I, I don't know. It's uh, it's really ridiculous. And and I think, you know, even to the point where, you know, the U.S. has to think about what, we're, you know, do we really want to trust this guy with anything? I mean, he's he's a crook. He shouldn't be in office. No, we don't. But that's a difficult position to be in because yeah. so many of our pre-existing alliances and organizations involve Israel. Yeah. But I mean, is this, if a guy unilaterally takes over a country like that and imposes dictatorial measures, mm-hmm. is that still the same country? You know, yeah. This and is- also if a country does that, if a guy does that to the country he's in and that country is your ally, where is the line? Like at what point do you have to go rescue your allies? Yeah. I mean, don't true. you remember like 2000, 18, 2019, sitting here wondering if we still had allies and if any of them were going to come save us. Yeah. And we wouldn't have been mad if they did, you know, it, no. it's, Especially it's like if they're... Got, somehow gotten in a second time, if their shitty plan had worked and, mm-hmm. and they, you know, overturned the election, I would be wondering, does anyone remember we were allies? Is anyone coming to help us? This is clearly not what we want. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, he's got, you know, our, our allies kidnapped in a room. And, mm-hmm. you know, well, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I don't think the press here is reporting on it nearly enough. I think it's a huge story that we're just, nope. you know, other than people tweeting about it, I've barely seen anything. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it should be reported on more just in general. Yeah. These mass protests in Iran, there's, you know, in Georgia and is lots of places. And they're not, you know, they're not being reported on because I, you know, I guess the press here isn't doing a wonderful job for sight. It's so crazy, In especially the TV press. Years. Yeah. yeah, it's really. Yeah. It's... My niece wandered through the room and somebody was on TV. I'm trying to think who it was. It was one of those MSNBC guys, the blonde one. And um, he was talking and she said, what is this? And I said, it's the news. And she said, from the mouths of babes, she said, is there going to be news? Because <laughs> he was just talking and talking and talking and talking. It was like dramatic monologue. And after like a few minutes, she's like, is there going to be news? And I was like, no, no, this is cable news. It's punditry. Yeah. And you can pick your station so you get the punditry you like. But that's not news. That's extensive opinion about the news. Yeah, it's op-ed. It's it's news analysis, yeah. which is, you know, that's what I do. It's fine, but, but like, it's not I don't, the news. I'm not on a cable network pretending that I'm Walter fucking Cronkite. So exactly. You know, it's the, yeah, it, it's not the, the news. Therein is the difference. It's an interesting point you raised before about the, the parliamentary versus the two party system. I mean, they've been one of the reasons why the Republicans have been able to game 
and, and get their people in power is because of the electoral college, which is the closest we get to something clunky and stupid. If it was like just straight up, yeah. yeah. If it was straight up popular vote, it would be over. There's no way to game the popular vote in a fi- in 50 states like that. Like even if you cheat in one or two, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Texas can repress as many voters as they want, and it's not ultimately going to. You know, they're not going to repress enough voters for it to matter nationally. Probably. I know we insist that we still have the electoral college, and we're always going to have it because it's in the Constitution, and it's you know, what the founders wanted. And then we can argue all day about what the founders wanted and also whether or not we should care what the founders wanted because they wanted slavery and they wanted the vast majority of human beings to have no rights. And they wanted a lot of things. They wanted hippopotamus teeth, if you're George Washington. And no, for real, he had hippopotamus teeth. And I love that fact. But there's also the fact that I think a lot of this was hashed out via the Civil War. Yeah. The idea that we are not the EU. That's not what we're doing here, because if we were, the South could have Brexited. Yeah. And the rest of America said, no, you can't. That's not real. We're a country. So, you know, maybe a country doesn't need an electoral system for a bunch of individual countries. I don't think that it does, because it isn't an individual. But that's what the GOP wants it to resort back to 50 states with a very loose, loose federal uh, government. Unless they're in charge, in which case, then they want the federal government to be all powerful. Oh, uh, they, God, they yeah, want Florida's, it, Florida's scary. Both ways. You know, Florida's they're just sawed off. It's, it's you know, it. Uh, no, I'm going to express an unpopular opinion here. I love Florida. Florida's great. If, Maybe that's just because I'm Jewish. I right? love Florida. <laughs> yeah. I really do. I do. It's huge. It's diverse. It's beautiful. There's a lot to like about Florida. I'm in favor of rescuing Florida. I would love to rescue Florida, but I don't know. Maybe the national election will wind up rescuing Florida if DeSantis's many, many warts are exposed, because he's he's got a lot of, of bad shit. I don't think he's the danger everybody thinks he is. I mean, for the rest of us, for Florida, absolutely. He's wearing like a bloody hockey mask, but yeah, he's not going to win anything. He's not. I figure in the general election, he is such a bad candidate. So bad. You'll still get that 20 to 30 percent of people who vote for him out of spite, out of out of fundamentalism, out of whatever. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. If they run him, setting aside the fact that Trump will absolutely go third party out of spite. Right. But even if he didn't, if they run him, they'll lose. They'll lose with DeSantis. And if they run Trump, they'll lose. Badly. Yeah. Bigly. Badly. So what they've done is radicalize their own party so badly that they can't win a general election now because half of them will only vote for their cult leader and the other half won't vote for the cult leader and they're just going to lose. Now, that doesn't mean I want to look back on this interview when nobody shows up to vote in 2024 on our side, but uh, I I think we're safe from DeSantis. I think so, too. I'm much more concerned with, like, I've said this before on the podcast and I'll say it again. I'm concerned with Christy Noem. She's who and I'm afraid needs of. pudding with his fingers. Like, what do you even say to that? I thought the go-go boots were hilarious, but whew, pudding with your fingers in front of people. That's a sociopath. No, he's, he's, he's got problems. He's, he's a sadistic yeah. man. He's a sadistic bastard. He really is with the yeah. stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just, I don't see him winning a debate with Biden. Watch. I think, you know, him on a debate stage is, is going to, be completely ridiculous. I, I don't think he knows enough about anything to, you know, hold court. But uh, if they run, the 
Hmm? Do you think he would show up for debates? He's a big fan of just not showing up for things he doesn't want to do. That's true. But I feel like he maybe he feels like he wants to beat up the old man. You know, maybe he'll kind of get it in his head. And I think if you're running for president, maybe you're not going to have 25 debates or even three, but you're going to have to do it at least once. Yeah. You have to. I think you're never going to win without it. it I mean, Biden can walk around and just go buck, 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 buck. And call him Chicken DeSantis for from then on. And what's he going to do? You know, oh, I, I think people I still, expect... I, You know, I hate to thank Trump for anything, but Meatball Ron is <laughs> chef's kiss. Just did he make that up? I thought somebody yes. else. Yes, no, okay. I, I believe it was Trump who called him Meatball Ron. Okay, it's just it's perfect. I heard he's on Ozempic though, so he's going to lose weight. We'll see. the the <laughs> The jury is still out on that. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's my list of that's my list of of uh, hot topics off off the press that's so that's the whole list um okay. well yeah i mean i have i have lots more to talk about i'm trying to think if there's anything else that we didn't that we didn't hit Did, is there anything else that we didn't hit that you want to talk think, about because i'm sure there is my brain's there's on lots the of, today as you know there's lots of th- oh um, i know wait there is one more thing there's one more thing how panicked are you on the oh my god we're descending into fascism scale oh um no i'm good I'm good. I don't think we're descending into. I've always firmly believed that America will never fall to fascism for the same reason we almost all died of COVID because this country was specifically populated by people who either got thrown out of other countries or blew out of other countries or whatever, because you can't tell me what to do. I mean, that's in our DNA. Yeah. That's why when somebody says there's a deadly virus out there, you have to put this thing over your mouth. Four out of 10 of us yell, you can't tell me not to die from a virus. Like, that's just the American way. You can't ever go full fascist if 40% of the country will always go the other way when told to go in a direction. Are you the kind of like, are you the kind of tree hugging liberal that would like be behind a law that made motorcycle people wear helmets? Is that what you're trying to say? I want a civil right to not wear my helmet when I'm riding a motorcycle at night. I don't care if their heads explode. I'm actually that kind of American nihilist. You got on the motorcycle. That was your problem. I just said, you know, that bank's failing. Oh, sad. (laughs) Maybe that kind of liberal. Like, you know, (laughs) that's a lot of rules you got there. (laughs) If you don't follow them, I guess that's what happens. Yeah. We asked you to wear a seatbelt. You didn't do it. Yeah. It's on you. It's on you. Yeah. Um, well, that's a thing with SVB, right? We asked them to wear a seatbelt. They took advantage of a coup that happened and went and lobbied the government to get rid of their seatbelts. And now they've gone through their own windshield and they're like, wah, wah. It's like, um, you didn't just not wear your seatbelt. You specifically and manipulatively had the seatbelt laws removed for banks. That's a good analogy. Where's Ralph Nader when you need him? <laughs> Um, the answer is I don't even want to go there. Uh, <laughs> unsafe at any speed. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Asia Raiden. Men cannot know the anguish of being ruled ineligible on anatomical grounds beyond one's control. Slaves can perhaps understand eunuchs, too, and perhaps even those doomed nobles like the deposed Emperor Romanos Diogenes, whose eyes have been put out, but not men. This podcast is brought to you by Empress, The Secret History of Anna Kay, the new book by Greg Oliar, now available on Amazon. 
If the truth is ever to be told, I am the only one left to tell it, and tell it I must. Okay, we're back with Asia Raiden. That was a great commercial. Wasn't it awesome? I love it so much. Awesome. Um, okay, this is this is the fun part of the podcast now. The other part was not fun. This is the fun part, because I want to talk about your movie, which is called uh, Nothing Lasts Forever. It is a documentary, a documentary proper, not some docu-series where they milk a thousand <laughs> episodes out of it. It's like a, one thing you can sit and watch and one sit, and uh, it's on Showtime, and it's about the diamond industry, and specifically... It's about kind of this crisis moment in the diamond industry that's happening right now where you have diamonds that are mined from, from you know, the way that people always found diamonds. And you also have technology where we can make diamonds from scratch. We can, man, we can manufacture diamonds. And it is impossible for most people to tell them apart. And this is something that threatens to royal R-O-I-L, not R-O-Y-A-L, uh, <laughs> the entire industry, because if you can mass produce diamonds and you can't tell them apart, then, oh my God, the scarcity goes away and the value of diamonds maybe plummets, blah, blah, blah. So the movie, there's about six or seven key people that they interview in the movie. You're one of them. You're clearly on the... Uh, they actually interview the guy who was at the time the CEO of De Beers, which was stunning. Yeah, he had to resign. <laughs> it's stunning to me that he sat for this interview. And you're sort of the counter, the counterbalance to him, I feel. You're like the anti-De Beers person. So, um, or yeah, so you could say he's extraordinarily full of shit. And I'm just telling the truth about things. Maybe it's a counterbalance like that. It's also a counterbalance like that. Because that's really also a dog in this fight. Absolutely true. He owns part of De Beers. Yeah, which is not not terrible. And also the whole time I'm watching, I'm watching this for, I'm like, this guy's accent is really weird. Cause I just sort of assume maybe he's South African or something. And then I'm listening and I'm like, no, no, that's not South African. And it's not British. And just when my brain is starting to figure trying to, you know, place what the accent is, he says, Well, I grew up in Schenectady, which is and that's town, the diamond industry in a nutshell. In upstate New York, not terribly far from where I am. And I'm like, oh my God, he's just a guy from upstate who's affecting this very, you know, area. Mid-Atlantic accent. Yeah. Yeah. It's like old movie thing. And I, I liked him. He's very compelling. Like I, I liked everyone that they I dislike uh, him in real life. Like, no, no, the, I mean as a as my... a subject of watching. He he was fascinating to watch in the movie is all I mean. I don't want to like go have lunch with him, but uh <laughs> I did think yeah, that I wouldn't so, recommend it. Um, so anyway, that's, that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of what the movie's about. I think I, I, I got everything. There's, there's lots of different characters. So I want to, what's the fallout I get? Where, where should we start? I'm, what's the fallout from this? Now the movie's been out for a while. Things well, have happened. So yeah, the movie came out three or four weeks ago. And, um, you know, to anybody who read my first book, Stoned, a lot of it would be very familiar about, you know, basically diamonds and why they're worth what they're worth and if they're really worth anything at all and um, how much of that has just been uh, you know what we all now casually refer to as a psyop which is really what it was <laughs> and uh before world war ii they didn't sell them much in this country nobody had diamond engagement rings it wasn't a thing and they have this like global hegemony and now we have the ability 
to make diamonds in labs. And it turns out that's not as recent as it seems. This comes up in the movie that, um, so the first synthetic diamond was actually made in the 50s, but it was tiny and it was brown. And the idea, there are these big factories in China that make diamonds for industrial purposes, drills, saws, whatever. They're supposed to be small and brown. They're not supposed to be able to make big gem quality jewelry diamonds. Turns out they can. No Turns way. out they've been able to for I don't know how long, quite a while. And now the global diamond market has been flooded with synthetics that were made in China, smuggled into India, cut and mixed in with regular diamonds so that by the time they're sold to diamond dealers who sell them on to other diamond dealers who sell them on to jewelers, nobody knows what's what anymore. And it's not as much of a secret as it sounds like. I knew about it long before this documentary was made. I've known that for 10, 15 years. Everybody I know knows it's. It's, it's so a, little of a it's secret. An open that secret. The it's guy an open secret. we know, you don't know. <laughs> the guy in India who runs this facility is in the is in the documentary talking about it, like sort of mm -hmm. proudly and happily. And it's, it's like, yes, I did. He was yes, great, I I, you know. And they let them in. They filmed. They had shots in China of the factory, like it. Well, we would not be allowed in now, but. <laughs> But still, they were they maybe were not in. totally honest about what the documentary was about. Um, <laughs> it was, I think, it was supposed to be the origins of life or something. Um... And <laughs> yeah, so we know that you guys don't know, and so we don't tell anybody because if you knew, the diamond market would blow up. It would it would implode because all of it's based on belief anyway. It's a belief based economy. It's like telling someone their paper money isn't worth anything, and then there's panic. But enough people don't know <laughs> that it's an interesting subject for a documentary. And what the fallout is, one of the more interesting aspects of the fallout in the last few weeks has been when it was screened in New York initially, some people from De Beers came. They were invited and they were angry. <laughs> and no way. not just with the fact that they look bad, but they said something to the effect to one of our producers of this is not grateful. You were given a lot of access, particularly in Botswana, and this is not grateful. This is not what you said this was about. This is going to cause a lot of problems for us in Botswana. And what do you know? The president of Botswana, now for people who don't know, a, a lot of diamonds come from Botswana, and there's a government-owned company there called Debswana that does all of the mining by leasing the ability to mine to De Beers and De Beers comes in and does it and shares the money with them. They say 50, 50. Botswana says, no, nah, more like 15, 85. Mm. And every time Botswana has complained, De Beers has been like, yeah, this is a nice country you've got here with all this infrastructure and schools and doctors and roads. Be a shame if it just went away. So they're basically holding them hostage. And they didn't even know Honestly, Deb Swana didn't know about the synthetic issue. And that's another aspect to the movie that I don't want to spoil for people who are going to see it. But a lot of people go, well, it's more ethical to buy synthetic diamonds, isn't it? Actually, no. Everybody producing synthetic diamonds at this point, they're the same people who own natural diamonds. They're competing with themselves. De Beers has a synthetic diamond company. Russia has a synthetic diamond company that you think is American because they invested all of the money. Leonardo DiCaprio's synthetic diamond company, uh, Foundry is mostly backed by, you've heard of the Saudi sovereign royal fund. Mm -hmm. The Russian government has one too, and they dumped the money into that company. And so the same people who want to sell you natural diamonds also want to sell you synthetic diamonds, and then they want to pretend there's some fight going on between the two. And at this point, there is not. 
the whole thing's an elaborate shell game. But the fallout in Botswana has been now they're aware of this shell game and they're pretty pissed. And the president of Botswana said, we need to renegotiate terms. And De Beers said, oh, ha, ha, ha. They went, no, really, or you can get the fuck out. And De Beers was like, well, you don't mean that. And they were like, well, yeah, we do. It'll be a rough five or 10 years, but you think we can't get someone to come in here and do exactly what you do in like five minutes? It'll just yeah. be a rocky transition. And you really have no bargaining chip here other than threatening us. Because if we tell you to leave, where are you going to get your diamonds again? That's the point. They can't. It's really not like them. Twitter moving from California to Texas or whatever. Tesla yeah. moving to California. They have to stay. The The guy in the movie was talking about this hole in the ground of, you know, however big it is. And it happens to be in Botswana and how it's wonderful for the people of Botswana. But it's in Botswana. I can't move it. That's where it is. That's where it lives. So that's where those diamonds are. I mean, they're in other places, too. The biggest one in the world's in Russia. They produce about 60 percent of diamonds every year. What are they going to do? Like pull up stakes? What they have that's valuable is diamonds. So, so they ask you this in the movie, and people have asked you this before. But I, if the if the actual amount of diamonds ever increases to the point where it isn't what it used to be, where I don't know the carat diamond is worth whatever they say in the movie. I, I don't know how much this stuff is worth for real. How much is a is a one carat diamond worth now? Like what's the Depends entirely on the diamond? I mean, you know, ballpark. Could be anywhere from. From twelve hundred bucks to thirty-five million. Okay, so let's say twelve. Oh, no, I'm bucks. not being evasive. It really just depends on the. Yeah, no, no, no. I know. I'm trying to. These things are much are sold for much cheaper, even by the people that that deal also in uh, quote unquote real diamonds. No, deliberately by the people who deal in real diamonds. Right. I wasn't sure if in editing that was clear enough. Yeah. That that so De Beers has their own synthetic diamonds now that they're marketing as jewelry and they've made all the other synthetic dealers angry by price fixing them bargain basement. Yes. Told yeah. everyone they're synthetic and that they're only worth like five to $800. Right. So they're trying to game the system, which by the way, is a very clever and elegant solution to the problem. I, I yes, admired that. Yeah, it was very smart, but you know, again, it brings up all this stuff, but I, I keep thinking, um, the the guy in the movie, his name escapes me, uh, is a guy who does synthetic diamonds here. And I think he's a geologist by trade. And he his oh, idea. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He was he's like, I think that we're just misusing what the diamonds are. I think they have a lot of applications of electronics. I think everyone's mm -hmm. going to have a phone that has a diamond in it instead of silicon. Blah, blah. So he wants the market to come crashing down so that diamonds can be used in this sort of and way. That will happen inevitably anyway. The next quantum the quantum computing revolution is going to be based entirely on, I think, synthetic diamond wafers. Which to me is fascinating and almost creates like a real value for them because otherwise they're just shiny Isn't things on the ring. Fun a circular history. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, like gold, for example, is shiny and all this, but it does have properties, metallurgical properties that other metals don't. For example, yeah. it binds to porcelain, which... Um, most things don't. That's why they dentists use it in fillings for teeth and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. it can be flattened, you know, and, and be that. So it does all this cool stuff that other metals can't do. And diamonds, I guess, can do things that other gems can't do. Yeah. Well, um, so there's an upper limit on how fast your computer can think, basically. Yeah. And that limit is based on the heat capacity of silicon, where you basically you're running almost like if you picture a little kid's toy, like a maze. That's what a computer chip is. And you're running electrons through the maze as fast as you can, like little mm -hmm. Pac-Mans. And the faster you run them, the hotter it gets. And the faster you run them, the 
faster the computer can think and can compute. And there is an upper limit on that where silicon starts to melt down. And that's the limit we're at in terms of how fast can our computers work at this point. How smart can they be is what temperature does silicon start to melt at? There is no temperature for, there, effectively, there's no upper limit on temperature for diamond computer chips. So we're going to get diamond computer chips. Yes. And diamond. if you put a blue one next to a yellow one, there's a natural nitrogen void and the electrons hop back and forth over it. And without spending the rest of this show explaining how that works and why, that's how you make quantum computer chips. What is a quantum computer chip? What does that even mean? Well, what I mean when I say it is computer chips for quantum computers. And quantum computers, God, they do so many cool things. They basically, they can run and think in ways that standard computers cannot. Like, and not just because it's exponentially faster, but because they can sort of not calculate, but sort of like calculate multiple scenarios simultaneously. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. So that's the quantum aspect. Yeah. It's, it's like not different. like they're doing arithmetic. It's more like they're writing you a dissertation. Okay. So we're going to get the diamond computer chips at the same time as we're getting all this artificial intelligence shit. That's how we're going to get all this artificial intelligence shit. Okay. Regular computer can't really do that. It can do yeah. a con convincing facsimile, yeah. a really well-trained chat bot, but... Okay. Um, should we be scared? I mean, I've never found there to be any profit in being scared of anything that's going to happen. Okay. Would we be scared of death? I don't, I guess. I don't know. It's going to happen either way. Uh, I, I'm not scared. <laughs> I think, I think it's going to be weird. I think the whole world's going to get a lot weirder before it gets better, but. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the diamond thing will help save Twitter somehow. Maybe people can figure out a new Twitter that works super fast that doesn't require. I think the more convincing disinformation technology gets, the better methods of detecting it get. And in turn, those better methods of detecting it give rise to cleverer forms of dis disinformation. I mean, think about how you used to have to fake a photograph in the 30s. I can do it on my iPhone now much more effectively. I can remove people from photos. I can like change the face they're making. Like, but you also have ways of detecting that software has been used on a photo. Right. Didn't exist when somebody just clipped something out of a frame. Those two contradictory forces just keep going up and up and up and up in, in concert with each other. I'm just thinking of all the applications for it. Most of them are just stupid things that will make people more money, like speeding up stock trading and shit like that. Mm. So, I think a lot of it's going to be used for scientific research. I don't think... I don't think for quite a while we'll even notice it in our day-to-day -day lives until suddenly we do, like when somebody handed you an iPhone and went, oh, yeah, we've been working on this for like 15 years. Interesting. And then the whole world was different. I don't know. Maybe it's exciting. I think it's exciting to to have the diamond thing sort of move over into that into that realm of uh, utility rather than just beauty, you know? Well, they're, um, already, they're already like that. I mean, yeah. most of our industrial manufacturing wouldn't work without industrial-grade diamonds. Is it true that diamonds are the hardest substance or is there, or is that just a fable? They're the hardest mineral. Okay. But they're um, brittle. Yeah. I mean, you could cut them. So how hard can they be? Well, you can right. only cut them with other diamonds because they're so hard. Like if you wanted to engrave your initials on a diamond, you'd have to use another diamond. On the other hand, if you wanted a diamond to crumble, you just hit it with a rock, any rock. 
and it will because it's brittle. I don't understand the physics of that, but I guess it's like the egg when you try to, you know, put your hand around kind an egg of, and, yeah, and try to, to crush it. You the, can't. It has to do with the shape of the lattice where the atoms are joined up. Yeah. Obviously, duh. Duh, Greg, <laughs> were you not at school that day? I mean, who doesn't know that? Um, well, are people yeah. still listening to this at this point? Okay, we're talking about the lattice work of molecules within diamonds. I'm just answering questions here. I know. it's just, This is, I'm taking it into perilous territory here. Um, so another guy in the movie that I thought was interesting is this guy, Rappaport, who basically is, <laughs> is the, you know, runs the, di the, sets the price of diamonds or, or whatever he does. He does. He yeah. does. He would argue he does not, but that is his, his entire life's work is price-fixing diamonds. And he's made it pseudo-respectable with something called the Rappaport Report, where he reports the prices for diamonds every year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He was also very compelling, I thought, as a, as a character. In the, um, and it reminded me of- a schmuck, yeah. <laughs> He he reminds me of people from the coin world. Let's just let's just leave it. Yeah, there. yeah. Uh, the attitude towards the thing that he's selling. You know, he's a good salesman. He's a good salesman. He tells the good story um, in a way that is compelling. And that's what I mean. The documentary is one of these things where um, even the people that I that are clearly positioned as the bad guys, quote unquote, are still interesting to listen to. I thought and fascinating. We have not mentioned our poor Serbian uh, Uber driver, gemologist, uh, who has cracked the code for all of this stuff. And um, yeah, I love that guy. I just wanted to give him a hug. Talk about getting left behind by technology. I know. So sad. Such a, he's clearly like a smart guy. You Why? guys just see it. It's really good. We're not doing a great job explaining it. When we got to Asia, can you explain quantum computers to us? My first thought was, oh my God, how do I answer that without people turning this off? Um, well, I mean, it's towards the end, you know, I can edit it out. It's not, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be fine. Uh, but anyway, the film is called, um, nothing lasts forever, which is a great title. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was wonderful. You were great in it. it thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Know, you. Like, very combative. I, I think, you know, in a good way, uh, like no bullshit. You're like, uh, you know, you know, I just, maybe it's cause I'm getting older <laughs> Or maybe it's just because I've always had a salty personality. Or maybe it's been the last five or 10 years of life. Maybe it's all of those things and it's a trifecta, but I have nothing left for you people and your bullshit. Just <laughs> nothing. I've got not. Mommy's tired. Mommy needs a drink and a nap. Okay. I got nothing. <laughs> so, okay. So this is a good question a to bullshit, end on. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. This is a good question to end on. So now the movie's been out about a month. People must have contacted you. So, I mean, crazy people, I would think. Oh, okay. Uh, so you don't want to hear about like the nice people or the people from CAA or like the people from jewelry companies going, please don't badmouth me. Like, not those people. I want to hear about any people you want to tell us about. But, you know, is there, <laughs> tell us some, who, who's contacted you? Know what you we didn't notable? talk about. What didn't we talk about? And I don't mean to drive this off the rails, just a side note. No, fine in our ping pong session of crazy shit in the news incels okay we didn't talk about incels but yeah so i've been getting like lots of rando messages that you know get mostly filtered out and i can see there are tons of them but then some of them make it through and some of them are just really sweet they're just people going you are so beautiful you were so riveting or sometimes it's women going i saw your movie and i loved it don't take any shit and it was like Wow, thank you. You know, any That's of good, those messages. Yeah. I'm just like, that's really nice. Thank you. I'm, you know, with the guys that just go, you're so beautiful. I'm not going to engage because I don't want them to get confused and think we're talking now. But 
you know, just like a thanks. But um, yeah, I've also gotten a fair amount of you're a dumb whore and shut your shut your whore mouth. And it's just like, how do you guys know what I do when I'm not on camera? I feel like this is so invasive. Like mostly it's only my friends who say things like that to me. <laughs> and um, there, there was this one guy that I told you about that that sent me this message saying that I was like the most luminous woman he'd ever seen. And so I just remember the word luminous because it was so odd and like on and on. And he was like, and I shouldn't be so abrasive. And there was something else. Basically, just don't be such a bitch because yeah. it's not what God wants and that was the point where I just like blew soda out of my nose. I was like, that's not what God wants. Do you think he was talking about the actual almighty or do you think he was referring to himself as God? I think it was that old con job where he was trying to convince me I'm so important. God's thinking about me and wants me to do what he wants. Mm. That guy, what that guy wants. Okay. Just be nice. Okay. Yeah. Be really nice. Um, no, I don't know. I just, I usually, I told you I don't answer those people, but in that case I was like, Who's God? Because I'm Jewish and, uh, you know, we're supposed to be like this. Jewish women. We're all like this. The rest of the Jewish people like us this way. We're fine. We're good. Abrasive is the opening ante. Yeah. Don't keep talking or I'll have opinions. If you didn't have opinions, there'd be no show. So, okay, we didn't talk about incels. So what do you want to say about incels? No, I just, I feel like that has been in the news a lot the last month or two. Um, Just, I was actually thinking about it a few days ago. Thinking about the fact that it's not being addressed well at all, but certainly not for what it is. And I think that's scary because what it really is, is domestic terrorism. Yeah. And I don't just mean when they go crazy and shoot things up. I mean, I'm just going to say, you can see it online. You can have a hard time avoiding seeing it online. And what it is, is like, you know, they insist their grievances. They want women. Like they want girlfriends. They want wives, whatever. And maybe they did at one point. And that was their grievance. And that's how they ended up in this position. But they don't want women. They hate women. Yeah. They just hate women. The way white supremacists just hate black people and Nazis just hate Jews. And you don't just wake up one day feeling that way. I mean, this isn't issue of massive numbers of people being radicalized by domestic terrorists and now they are also domestic terrorists or will be soon and i i think you know that kind of rolls into how badly has twitter been broken i didn't used to see that on twitter very much and now i do all the time all the time not just from people who saw my movie (laughs) um incel just for people listening who don't know stay is short it's a truncation of involuntary celibate and it refers to these, you know, usually young men. Yeah. Who can't um, find girlfriends because mostly usually because they're hateful assholes and um, don't venture out forth from their basement apartments or whatever reason. But uh, pro tip gentlemen, women aren't into domestic terrorists. That's also true. It's true. Um, You know, they're into other things. But I think you're right. I think there's a there's a hatred going on. And I think it's I, I don't know what the what the solution is. But in in days of yore, uh, people like that would just be shunned or shamed into behaving. And now they can just unite and form a, you know, a support group. And the support group is 
Well, they think they've joined to... a support group. That's sort of my point. They yeah. haven't. That's like saying I've been talking to ISIS. It's a support group. No, it's not. Right. No, that's. And they're going to tell you to buy a ticket to Syria soon. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's a support group, in a sense that it's uniting them, but it's it's not giving them support other than radicalizing them in ways that are you know potentially devastating Crazy. for the country. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are all these conspiracy theories and and all of the you know insistence that. The problem is women have too many rights and now men don't have any rights. And it's like you've made this is like a fever dream you're having. But there are so many of you and you're radicalizing each other. And it's really it's quite scary. And the scariest part is when it occurred to me, this is not very different than the ISIS model or, you know, the all right model. Yeah, you might come to it with I have no social skills. I can't get a girlfriend. I'm so sad. Oh, here are some people who, you know, feel me and they. They want to talk about this, but then the next thing you know, you're posting insane conspiracy theories about how women should be assigned to people. And it's like, okay. Yeah, that's not, that didn't even work out for ISIS, frankly. There weren't enough. It never works out for anybody. Yeah. The guys in ISIS couldn't, couldn't handle it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a stupid model and it should be deleted into the trash bin of, of history. Um, but this brings us back all the way, all the way around to everything's crazy. People are crazy now. It's just people are nuts. And 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 I I don't know, like every day goes by and I think, how can things get crazier than they're already than they already are? Like I I and I don't know. Um but I I'm guess we're gonna find out. Will. I don't know. I Is think the pendulum swinging back towards sanity, maybe. I think they can get worse, but I don't think I think we've reached peak crazy. <laughs> I mean, worse and crazier aren't the same thing. I don't think they can get crazier. I think we're so fragmented and no one knows what's real and what isn't. And, um, you know, people, we were in the middle of a plague and people took horse dewormer till they died. Like, that's peak crazy. It does not get crazier than this. Like, it can get worse if those people get back in control. Look at Netanyahu. That's yeah. worse for them. They got him out and he got back in. Yeah. Which is why you have to arrest these people. You have to indict them yes. and arrest them and convict them. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Everybody's getting indicted. Oh, well, that's because this is going to run. getting indicted. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, they are. You don't Let's start see. with Putin and stop with Putin. You think, oh, so you think it's a coordinated. Okay, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. I hope so. I hope so. You know, but. Uh, I mean, I'm excited. This is I'm my March Madness. You guys, this is my March Madness, and I have a bracket. <laughs> Who's your one seeds? Mm. Trump, Putin, Mike Flynn, and somebody else, I guess. Yeah, Trump, Putin, Mike Flynn. I'm going to say Netanyahu. I was going to say Netanyahu. That yeah. really bothers me. That's He's a solid really final. Yeah, that's a solid. And MBS, but I don't um, know that that's actually going to happen. No, he's not going to be. Uh, but. You know, it's, it's a part it's, of the world that doesn't even pretend to be part of the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah, he he'll be fine. Um, as far as that goes, alas of the lack. Um, yeah, no, it's I a shame, know. but you know, it's not. It's not like they're pretending they're part of the 21st century. So, if you're going to pretend you're part of the 21st century and send your children to college in the U.S. and all that shit, then you do have to, you know, sort of, kind of abide by the most basic parts of the Geneva Convention. Not a big ask. One would think. One would hope. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's a precarious moment, but I don't know. We'll see. Everyone is a precarious moment, though, and people don't realize it. And it's really when things go really horribly wrong 
if you if you actually think about it and you look back, you realize you fumbled the ball five years ago, 10 years ago. Oh, I know exactly when this country fumbled the ball. I mean, we can go back in time and pinpoint all the moments when the ball was fumbled. It's just yeah, a, but they weren't the moments when we were all going, oh, my God, it was before that. Yeah, before that. Sometimes it was sometimes even in the moment it was clear, you know. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, sometimes you fuck up so big, you know, it's happening. This is the um, like the day Trump was sworn in. We all knew it was happening. But, you know, and I was thinking of the Iraq war, which is 20 years ago. The invasion of, you know, that was just a ridiculous, stupid thing to do in the moment. And we did it anyway. And we may not recover. But, you know, sometimes but that has ripple effects. And, you know, Reagan had ripple effects into that. And and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and on and on and on it goes. Trump is going to have ripple effects. God, until we're dead and gone. Yeah, I'm you know, some of the people I am scared of are all of the religious fanatics, all the Christo fascists. Yeah, it's a big part of the fascism in this country is you said, how scared are you of fascism? And I'm like, eh, Christo fascism legitimately freaks me out. Religious yeah. fanatics. And I think you'd have to look 40 years ago, 45, to figure out where we fumbled that ball. And it was the right. Making, yeah. Yeah, it was the Powell memo and the, you know, that was the beginning of it. But the yeah, but it was also Reagan making a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Anything bad that's happening. I'm guy from Hollywood. He wasn't a conservative Christian. That was just an arrangement to get in the White House. And they've been increasing in power and psychosis ever since. Yeah. I wonder what percentage of the population will ever join that group though it's like you said about the fascists like i i think most americans don't want to belong to that because it's no fun who wants all that shit it's just bad it's 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 terrible governance it's bullshit lies you know uh fairy tales well, and it's no that's fun a good question it's a good no question fun. who wants to live I mean, that what way? i said was it's in our cultural dna yeah we refuse to do what we're told which is why i'm not that worried about fascism in the u.s but you do have to remember what percentage of people who moved here moved here because they were too fanatical for their own religious fanatic country. Correct. I yeah. do think there's a deep, ugly streak of religious fanaticism in Americans. A lot of them. Yeah. No, that's that's definitely true. I just I wonder if it's um on the wane. I just think the numbers are not what they what they used to be. Um, and upstate New York has stopped producing people that crank out these wackadoodle religions. It's, well, thank God, yeah. you guys. Like, was it that much of a request? Um, no, God's moved, God has moved on to other things like making you less abrasive. So, yeah, I've heard God is really dedicated to me being less abrasive because beautiful women should also be. Oh, he said something about beautiful women should mild. That was the word he used, mild. That was the part where my brain just started to boil. And I was like, fuck you, fuck you. I think that's, I think mild is the way to end this. I think that Mm -hmm. I'm going to go work on being more mild. I think everyone please see this movie. Mild mannered. Uh, The movie again, it's called nothing lasts forever. It's on Showtime and it's fantastic. Uh, Asia Raiden. Thanks so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure. Thank you. The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fawcett. Zarina Zabriskie, Marie Kost, and Martha Acuna provided the introduction in Ukrainian, French, and Spanish, respectively. Voice talent is by Stephanie St. John, Tally Briggs, Michelle Cantor, and me. 
Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hockey, Kenai Williams, and everyone else at MSW Media. Please subscribe to the Prevail Substack with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $5 monthly subscription funds the column and the podcast. Visit gregoliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Don't forget to tip your server. And until next time, we shall prevail. I'm Francis Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Give.